Everybody say no compromise. Let me tell you what compromise is. As a noun, descriptive, royal adjective really, but as a noun, it is an agreement or a settlement of a dispute whereby each side makes concessions. Today we might use a word about that called being pragmatic. That means you give up something to gain something. They give up something. We're watching Putin, and uh, uh, obviously the Russian leader has a lot of gas. It'll take a while. It'll, it'll take a while. I know you're a sophisticated crowd, and I'm embarrassing you, but fortunately there's no one here any more sophisticated than you are, so don't be too embarrassed. Yeah, you just got it. I know. Don't No, you didn't. Okay. We won't even go there. We're away from there. Okay. But Putin and Trump are having their talks right now. And pragmatism would be the word. We will give up this to get that, and we will give up this, and it's making concessions. And when it comes to God, he's not pragmatic. God is not pragmatic. He doesn't have to give up anything. He will not give up anything. And when there's a battle between a devil who's willing to make concessions in order to keep people in bondage, God will have none of it. Who the Son sets free is not still in shackles. Who the Son sets free is not still in that prison of darkness. If Jesus does it, it is a done deal it is complete whether you walk in it or not is another thing but as far as God is concerned he makes no concessions the communion table when we come Sunday after next to holy communion it's not where we make deals with God I'm going to give up this if you'll bless my job or my no but I'm going to hang on to this no it's it's not where you come to make deals with God that's not what the altar is for It's where you agree to unconditional surrender. Everybody say unconditional surrender. The devil wants you to make concessions rather than going all the way with God. Because if Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, then God is going to put his his spirit in you and he's going to use you as it is written. I will live in them. I will walk in them perambulate. I will move about freely. God wants the whole of us. Offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or literally your true spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world. Literally, don't let the world press you into its mold. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove or exemplify and exhibit what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Heard a preacher preach, thought he was waxing eloquent, and he said that there's the good will, and then there's the perfect will, and then there's the acceptable will. He's trying to make concessions. That's not what it says. That's not what the Scriptures teach. You can't make it say that. You can act smart, but you're not smart when you try to act smart when the Scripture is speaking plainly. Like the guy that was at a funeral. It was his second funeral. 
was a guy that had just died, and everybody was mourning him. And he wanted to illustrate that this man laying here is no longer here. There's a man inside the man, and that man is in heaven. So always think of him there. So he waxed eloquent and said, what you see here is just the shell of this man. The nut has went to heaven. Not exactly what you want to use at a funeral. Unless it's, uh, I'm looking, unless it's his. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, but he is a little nutty, right? Okay, we'll have a talk later. I love you, Hobbs. I'm glad you're here today. Who would I pick on? I'd have to pick on her and, her and she's young and she won't take it. And her husband said, all right, that's what I wanted to hear. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. What the man was trying to say is God may not approve of what you're doing. The devil is still holding part of your life. You're not fully surrendered to Christ, but there's that good will of God. And then there's the perfect will of God. Don't, don't really sweat that because there's the permissive will of God, which means he, he doesn't want you to do it, but if you do it, he's not going to whip you for it. We keep bringing it in. Dave Wilkerson saw a fellow preacher, a prominent preacher, on an airplane trip, sipping a mixed drink with his vivacious secretary. And he came up and he told him, he said, what is this all about? He confronted him. Now, that's one thing people really don't like is confrontation and accountability. If you see me in a bar in Ybor City, 10 o'clock Saturday night, having a drink with some vivacious lady other than my wife. I need confronting. Someone needs to come up to me and say, what's this all about? Then I'm going to confront you and say, what are you doing here? We need accountability. I don't belong there Saturday night and come here Sunday morning and make some kind of idea that there's a will of God and, and but it's not the perfect there's a permissive will. I can do I can I can be disobedient, I can be rebellious, I can know what's wrong and what's right, I can choose what's wrong, but God understands because there's that good, there's that perfect, which no one is perfect, and there's that acceptable will of God. It's all one in the same. There's no division in the Scripture. There's no division in the Greek. It's good. It's perfect. And therefore, it's acceptable unto God. So everything we offer is not acceptable. We have to offer our body, the whole of our being. It's the container for your soul and your spirit. A living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y. And by the way, in order to be H-O-L-Y, you have to present yourself W-H-O-L-L-Y. The Lord God sanctify you somewhat. No. The Lord God sanctify you mostly. No. The Lord God sanctify you 
W-H-O-L-L-Y. Spirit, soul, and body. You know why? Because where this body goes, because Christ indwells this body now, He goes. You take Him with you. So if He was here physically, He would be no less with you. In fact, He wouldn't be as much with you as He is within you. How I many know Christ by you is not as the same as Christ in you? And it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if Jesus was walking by you, what movies would we watch? Let's all say, I'm convicted. Conviction doesn't mean God's mean or mad. It means that we need to be aware. We all want the presence of God, and sometimes we don't want the responsibility for the presence of God. If I join myself, to a harlot, to a prostitute. The Scripture says Christ is still there. I'm bringing him with me into my sin. The man on the plane told this prominent preacher, in fact, it was Dave Wilkerson that confronted him. He confronted Jim Baker at PTL just before the fall. He didn't go there personally. He sent a letter. Jim said if he really cared about us, he would have come personally. Well, that's not. John was told on Patmos to write a letter to the seven churches and tell them what Jesus had to say, good and bad and all in between, commendation and confrontation and condemnation. And you know what? Nobody listened. Nobody listened. Nobody put anybody in check. The fact is, there wasn't enough rooms. There wasn't enough rooms to accommodate the people that kept buying them. And they tried to get him to stop, but his right-hand man was making $275,000 a year for being Ed McMahon to Johnny Carson. That's a pretty good deal. Someone else has got the responsibility. You just go like that. That's all you have to do. Everybody, anybody seen a bobblehead? You can buy yourself a real live bobblehead for $275,000 a year. If they don't love God and fear God, but they love the salary that they're getting, and that sweet place of living. I can't imagine. What, what, what would we do with $275,000 a year? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Cherie said I could find a few things. <laughs> I don't know what that tag's about on her truck. Said, if you don't think money can make you happy, you don't know where to shop. Amen. I, I don't know about that. She knows better. She knows there's more to it than that. But there, there are people that, listen, that it corrupts and they don't confront anymore. So people who tried to step in, simply of God looked the other way. They looked the other way. When it was being corrupted, they looked the other way because the tithe off of it was built. Listen. The, the love of money, not, not money. Money is a good thing. It can be a God thing if we treat, put it in its rightful place in our life. But the love of money that supersedes and cancels the love of God 
is the root, the foundation of all evil. You see, only money is actually called by a name that doesn't just represent money. Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. You can serve God with mammon, but you can't serve God and mammon. So lay your treasure up in heaven where the rust can't corrupt it and the thief can't steal it. For where your treasure is, make no mistake about it, where your treasure is, where, and you know where your treasure is, because that's where your focus is. That's where your attention is. That's where you're willing to sacrifice in that area. Where your treasure is. It's like a little girl that she's on her way to Sunday school back in the 50s when a nickel was, would buy you a bag of penny candy, 10 pieces in it, two for a penny. She's walking, and her daddy says, this nickel is for the Lord at Sunday school, and this nickel is for you. So she wouldn't be tempted, you know, to take it all. Because she's only five years old. She's walking along. She's got both nickels rubbing them together. And one of them drops out of her little hand. And it rolls down the storm drain. And she says, oh, no. There goes the Lord's nickel. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. No man can serve two masters. See, there's no concession. There's no pragmatism. There's nothing conciliatory to say to someone that is not willing to bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as a Christian. Something is wrong in the life. If it's unbowed, something is wrong. The flesh is still dominant, and Satan's target is where? Weak flesh that is unsurrendered, not crucified. Your uncrucified flesh is a playground for the devil. Because it'll come into agreement with him every single time. But if you ever crucify the flesh and get renewed in the spirit of your mind, everything is going to change. Living the crucified life doesn't mean that something is being subtracted from you. It means that something's going to be multiplied to you. You say, what's that, Brother Rumble? Grace and peace. Grace and peace be what? Multiplied. God don't add it. He's a lavish, gracious, giving God. That's why Peter said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. There is no good will of God, permissive will of God. I don't find permissive in the Bible. God loves you. He's a wonderful heavenly father. He is not permissive. There are churches that are, and they're a dime a dozen. And the reason they're permissive, because the leadership can't be an example to the flock. We dare not preach on holiness anymore. Be ye holy, you that bear the vessels of the Lord. The Lord God sanctify you mostly. No, the Lord God sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Spirit, soul, and... Because your body is what? Of who? Of the living God. Where I go, He goes. 
What I see, He sees. What I hear, He hears. Not because He's all-knowing in heaven above, but He's always with me because He is living within me. That's why the guy that came to our church told me about sitting at the bar and having a particular kind of beer that he liked with his friend after work. And it was a particular bar that had scantily, it wasn't a strip at club, but it was a bar that had scantily clad women. I'll tell you something about scantily clad women. You don't have to go to a strip bar to be tempted. It can happen in the mall. It can happen at school. It can happen at work. And I, I thought, what a, what a, what a terrible, what a terrible idea that I can sit here and represent a great king in a great kingdom. And and the worst thing was, the guy always told me what God showed him every single Sunday. And I thought, if God can show you so much, can't he show you how wrong that is? Well, Brother Venable, I, I've got liberty. I'm not under the law. I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm talking about who is running your life. I'm talking about whether Jesus is your Lord. This is not the law of Moses. This is the Lord God of Israel. Adonai. What? And I'm an ambassador for him. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We represent him down here. I, will, I, I try to be a good witness. I remember when I joined the power shop gym. Don't look at me now. That was years ago. But I went four or five times a week to the gym. I put on my sweatshirt and my sweatpants and my tennis shoes and my ibuprofen and my wraps on my knee and one on my shoulder one on my elbow and my bengay that old stinky stuff that helps you with pain and i kept working out pushing iron and it was a co-ed gym and people came and went and i made it a a personal purposeful that i wasn't going to look you know what the old testament said I made a covenant with mine eyes not to look upon a maid, a maiden. There's beauty there. There's also temptation there. God made women beautiful, more beautiful than us guys. So you know they are very pretty. Can you say amen? Come on, ladies, you're more beautiful than us. Somebody said, have you had a good look at Tom Cruise? Yeah, big buck teeth he used to have. I was in a dentist's office having some dental work done. And I said, can you make my teeth? I've tried to pick out a star back then. Uh, he was a big star. He's still a big star. I said, can you, can you give me some teeth like Tom Cruise? And the lady said, why do you want his teeth? Those two big teeth in the front, he looked like a bunny rabbit. Maybe he had some work done since then. I said, well, I'll pick somebody else. Just, just give me some, some good-looking teeth because I love to smile. Long story short, the lady at the gym said to my wife, and this, I take, I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. 
He's the only one that can keep anybody in this room. Holy Spirit is real, and he will lead you if you will let him. He will fill you if you will let him. He said, she said, no one in here. Your husband's been coming here for several months, and no one in here knows that he is a minister. I didn't wear a big cross. I didn't, kind of like a lighthouse. I know there's a foghorn, but ships way out at sea can't hear the foghorn. I know there's a bell that can clang, but ships way out at sea can't hear the bell clanging. And in a storm, the foghorn and the bell is rendered useless because of the rage of the wind and the weather and the waves. But lighthouses shine. I said lighthouses shine. The Bible said, so let your light shine before men that they might see what? Your good works. We're not talking about philanthropy. We're not talking about how much money sounding the trumpet before you give or go serve soup to somebody. All that has its place and all of it is good. But we're talking about different works. You were saved by faith, not by works, but you're created unto good works. Amen. There has to be some evidence. I used to love the song that came on before Fred Price, and don't get me going in that direction. Amen. But, but I used to love the song, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Evidence. Is there something in our life that says we are marching to the beat of a different drummer? We are against the wind. We are counterculture. We bow to no other God, not even to the God of self. You may not have a fat-bellied Buddha sitting in your garden. But you have a flesh to deal with. And self is the greatest, the worship of self is the greatest sacrilege in all of the Bible. That's why in order to follow Jesus, not join church, go to church, claim gifts and insights, but in order to follow Jesus, this is the criteria. If any man, how many know that's everybody, me, you, and everybody else? Everybody say me, you, and everybody else. If any man would be my what? My disciple. Let me explain disciple. A disciple is not just knowing what your teacher knows. That's what's taught through the Word. When you study the Word, you're going to know what your teacher knows. You're going to know what he says about everything. It's in the Bible. But being a disciple is not just knowing what your teacher knows. It's becoming what your teacher is. Some of you go and listen to a message and you know more when you leave than when you went in. That's not the issue of following Jesus. It's not that you know that this city was there and this city was here and this represented that and this represented that. What did he say to you? I was asked to counsel one time people that I don't know personally. I got ready for the counseling session. I jotted down some things. 
I was going to talk to two Christian people that were in a conflict that they couldn't resolve. And here's the question I was going to ask. I never did get to talk with them, but I want to ask you the same question today. As if there was a problem between two, a man and wife. I want to know if you're a Christian on a scale, before we even talk, because I'm not a Dr. Phil. I have no degree in psychiatry. I do not want inside your head. It's scary in there. It's like a spook house on Halloween. I don't want to know what Freud said. If you're going to that kind of counselor as a Christian, forget God. If you want God's counselor, go to the Word of God. And if you go to a Christian counselor, go to one that will give you the Word of God. Not the permissive will, but the perfect will. Not the preacher that said, Pornography can enhance your sex life and lead you down that road to the bondage that's waiting for you. And the preacher is prominent, stands in a pulpit in a church of over 5,000 people in the state of Florida. God's people following a celebrity, talking about the permissive will of God. Do you understand why the Holy Spirit is grieved? Do you understand why He is quenched? Do you understand why the church has to, has to fill that gap that only God is supposed to have with every kind of entertainment and program that you can imagine to keep people interested enough to show up on Sunday morning? Do you understand why the promise of material blessings absolutely supersede the promise of God's blessing. Do you understand why revival tarries? Why with such a need it isn't sent? Because God requires sanctification. I've stood up for this for years. It has cost me. It's cost me pulpits that I was not welcome in. But I'm in good company. Vance Havner said, I, I believe that I preached myself out of many pulpits. They knew if he came and preached what God gave him, it would upset some givers. Some givers need to be upset. Some pastors need to quit worrying about who gives and who don't and start being concerned about what God thinks about the whole big stinking mess. And does it stink to him? Yes, it does. You're hard-pressed to find the Holy Ghost active. People go away with no interest in sanctification. Caught up in the works of the flesh. Caught up in the things of the world. Falling in love deeper and deeper with the world and the culture. And going to churches that will accommodate and make concessions to that culture. How dare we draw the line in the sand and declare who's on the Lord's side? Because if you take a poll, almost everybody that names the name of Jesus says they're on the Lord's side, of course. But it narrows down, doesn't it? 
Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? It's that bent towards sin that God has come to deliver you from and put a new bent within you, a bent toward righteousness. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Sin is what iniquity causes you to do. Sin is the violation of His law. Not just the Old Testament ten that we're not under, we're free to serve God, but under His Lordship. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He was wounded for our transgressions. He doesn't stop with just forgiving your sin and leaving you a slave to sin. He doesn't just stop with delivering you from Satan's prison house, but leaving you chained to the devil's will. He doesn't do that. It's an all-the-way thing. But He requires your cooperation because He won't sanctify you against your will. And you've got to want it more than you want your way. And you've got to want it more than you want to be accepted by the world. And you've got to want it more than you want to be accepted by your peers. You've got to want it more than you want that woman or that man. When did Jesus... Quit being Lord. When did we get saved and then start making deals? Becoming pragmatic with God. Then I'll give you this part of my life, but this is off limits. I'll give up this, but I won't give up that. When did we start doing that? Where did the change come? Where did we veer from what He's called us to? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Your body a what? A living sacrifice. Holy, H-O-L-L-Y. But in order for it to be H-O-L-Y, in order for it to be holy, H-O-L-Y, we have to present it holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. The Lord God sanctify you holy, spirit, soul, your mind. That's why it says be transformed in your mind. Because if you're not transformed in your mind, that's the seat of the will and the emotions. If you're not transformed in your mind, renewed in the spirit of it, then that old stinking thinking is going to start wanting to be pragmatic with God. I'll give you this if you'll give me that. He says, no deal. I'm going to say this, and it's a little cliche, but it's biblically supported. Then it becomes truth and not cliche. If Jesus isn't Lord of everything, now this is going to sting, but this is truth. If Jesus, he, he just won't be pragmatic with us, he will not sit in the second seat. He's God. He's not just your go-to when you have a need. He's your God. 
He's not just your Savior. He's your Creator. He won't take that back seat in your life or mine. Oh, you can put Him in the back seat, but don't ask Him to drive. Because you got the wheel. You're the boss. You only want Him to take the wheel when you wreck it. When the devil wrecks it. Then we call on God. We get the bad report. We call on God. But it takes the bad report to get us thinking about sanctification. Wonder why we can't enter into His presence anymore. We can't enjoy the Lord. Because the world has us. The world has us. We can't be pragmatic. This is not politics. God don't play politics. You know what Lord means? You know what the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, they're one and the same. I know somebody's going to tell you different. I'm not concerned about splitting hairs, but I'm telling you. It's where God reigns. It's where Christ reigns in undisputed, absolute authority. And before we ask Him for anything, He asks us for everything. Would you like to hear how that works? I'm going to tell you anyway, so go ahead and say okay. I told you it was going to sting. But you know where the sting is? It's in your flesh and mine. And it stings to crucify the flesh. Crucifixion is where you... that. Nobody comes back from there. That's not where you go to just make a few concessions. That's where you go to surrender. It's where you go to die so that he can live in us and through us. Nobody comes back from the cross. Can you say amen? It's where you die to self. Can't follow him until you do. Can't be like him until you do. So... Where, where's, where's this? Don't ask him for anything till you give him everything. Where's that? Where's that? I'm glad you asked. Lord, teach us to pray. Are you ready for the prayer that pattern for all prayer? They call it the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not in Matthew there. It's over later on in John where he, he prays to the Father and, and prays for us. This is not the Lord's Prayer. It's a pattern for all prayer. Teach us to pray. He said, well, don't pray like the heathen. Don't pray like the hypocrite does. They think they're going to be heard by their much speaking. But when you pray, begin with our Father, which art in heaven, and then immediately reverence this paternal, personal, intimate relationship. He may be your Father, but He's not your old man. Our Father, which art in heaven... Look at the bowing. Look at the bowing before believing Him for your needs to be met. Look at the bowing. It doesn't start with believing, does it? It starts with bowing. Everybody say bowing before believing. Bowing before believing. Our Father who art in heaven, are you ready? Hallowed be thy name. And before you say, give us 
You know, my name's Jimmy. I want all your gimme. Before you rush past reverence, you rush past bowing, you rush, rush past any form of devotion or sanctification to get what you need from God without giving Him what He demands of you. Let me tell you what He demands. You are bought. How many know the price with the price? And you are, therefore, if He's bought you with the blood of Christ, you belong to Him. That's a good deal, church. You're not your own. You're not free to do what you want to do. You're free to do what He wills. You're not free to do your thing in the name of pragmatism or permissive will. That preacher wasn't free to sit with this blonde and sip a mixed drink. You know what he told Dave Wilkerson? The flesh always has an answer. He said, I wasn't sinning against my flesh. Therefore, admitting more was going on than having a drink. Right now, there are people getting accosted on airplanes because the freedom that we have demanded in America to express ourselves is out of control. The Bible calls it lasciviousness. Sign of the last days. Work of the flesh. Given over. I'm just sinning against my flesh. This is not a sin against my spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. The whole package is one. Spirit. Soul and body. If you're disconnected from your soul, you're out of your mind. If you're disconnected from your body, you're dead. Graveyard dead. If you're spiritually, you can't disconnect. You can't compartmentalize. You can't put Christ in a back room while you sin in the living room. He's not going to go in the back room and look the other way. He's not going anywhere. And so we wonder why the Spirit is quenched. Oh, I don't quench the Spirit. I speak in tongues every time I feel the prompt. That's not quenching the Spirit. When the Spirit of conviction comes to you, and the Spirit, when He comes, He will do more than prompt you to speak in tongues, Pentecostal. He will convict the world of sin and of unrighteousness and of judgment. That's why when Paul preached and shared the testimony of Christ with Felix, he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, self-control, and judgment to come. You don't have to exercise self-control, but you, can, you will be judged by whether you are living in abject rebellion against God or not. There is a judgment coming. And it's not just for the world. There's the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema, where all of us will give an account for the things done where? In our body. Whether they be good or whether they be evil, we 
It's not about heaven or hell then. It's about rewards or lack of it. It's about being ashamed because we knew better and we didn't do better. Because we're equipped to do better. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the paraclete. We got power to overcome. But we got to have the will and the devotion and the surrender. Because God will not violate your will. It has to be. You have to put all that on the altar. Listen to the, listen to the pattern prayer. Are you ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No one has asked for anything. Faith is not an issue yet. Except faith in your relationship to and with God. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You're bowing in reverence. Now you're bowing to show reverence by bowing to his will. Not just by how deep you put your head down. In the old covenant before a holy God, you know how they bowed? You know how they bowed? Here's how they did it. The Muslims do that today. You won't find a Christian preacher or a Christian person in an altar like this anymore. It's not just the posture of the body. They bowed with their forehead on the ground, showing deep devotion to God. Thy kingdom come. What is this kingdom? Where a king reigns. You're actually saying, Thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And before you even say on earth, you need to include yourself and say, and say in earth. Because in, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. Do you remember when you bowed that deep to God spiritually? When Jesus was the king of your soul and the king of your life? And you were we used to call it walking softly before the Lord. It means I love him, I'm so devoted to him, I don't want to offend him in any way that I can help. And by the help of grace of God, I'm not going to see how far I can drift and be in His permissive will. I want to see how close I can come to His perfect will. Can you say amen? Pragmatism works in politics to a fault. If you give up too much, you better count what you're giving for what you're getting. Otherwise, and that's what they're concerned about, the Russian president, that, yeah, he's going to make some concessions, but he's going to want something. The little rocket man over in North Korea is going to give up something in order to get back in the global economy because people start starving. His own people are going to rise up against him like they did in Russia and like they did in Germany before the wall came down. It was economics brought the wall down, not a military force. Sanctification, cleansed, set apart. For a holy purpose. 
in a great house, there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. If you purge yourself from these, if you decide I'm not going to see what anybody else is doing, this is not about me and them, this is about me and him. I'm not going to ask what the status quo is. That's what's wrong. We can't have a revival as long as we're all living in the status quo. Somebody is going to have to say, I am going to bow deeper than before. I am going to serve him with more dedication than before. He deserves more devotion than I'm giving him. And I'm going to turn toward him once again. I'm not going to let myself drift away. My flesh is weak, but that's no excuse. I'm supposed to do something about it. The story is told of several boats that went out at the same time in the middle of, of the lake. And the guy told a guy that was with him in one of the boats, I'm going to swim back to shore. And he said, you're going to swim back to shore? He said, yeah, why? He said, do you know how far we've drifted? He said, but wait, there's boats here, there's boats there, there's boats here, there's boats. He said, I'm not talking about our proximity to other boats. I'm talking about how far we've drifted from the shore. If everybody's drifting, and by the way, the Bible said in the last days, everybody but those who are radically, I'm saying this biblically, radically committed. If you're not radically committed, you are drifting. How can you tell you can't enter the presence of God? You have no desire to take up a cross. You just want a blessing. Sacrifice. Are you kidding me? Sacrifice for Jesus Everybody else is doing it around the world. But coddled, commercialized, Christians in America can't hold a candle to the devotion of the Christians that are persecuted in Russia or China. Because they're giving up life and liberty just to name His precious name. And, the, and you know what's incredible? God's not asking you to be a martyr physically. He's not asking you to die for Him. You know what He's asking? He's asking you to live for Him. For me to live as Christ, to die to self, yes. He just says, can't you just live for me? They're dying for me. Can't you live for me? My house, my word, my worship, where does it fit in? Where does it fit in? And when do we decide when we're going to worship Him, where we're going to worship Him, how we're going to worship Him, whether it's worth it or not? There's a deal at Disney at Easter. For heaven's sakes, let's go get the deal at Disney. I fired a musician. Yes, I rarely do that, but I did it, and I'd do it all over again. And if I ever have to fire somebody, I don't apologize because I know I'm right before I do it, and it's the end of the discussion. 
Easter morning did not show up. Did not call me so I could have somebody fill in. Visitors are coming that wouldn't be there. I call them Easter bunnies. That's just fine. Send me all the Easter bunnies that get a religious feeling, go to church Easter morning. I like to see Easter bunnies get saved. Can you say amen? Amen. Visitors are going to be there. They're going to hear the gospel. God was moving. God was delivering. God was saving. God was filling with the Holy Spirit. I decided to pick up the phone and just inquire after the morning service and we had no music. I think my dad strummed a guitar. Thank God for my dad. No, we didn't even have that. We called our daughter-in-law who wasn't living for the Lord to come and play for us. Because we couldn't get a Christian to show up on Resurrection Sunday. They needed to go to the beach. There's no other day at 365, no other holiday. So we choose a holy day, the holiest day in the Christian faith. You say, well, I thought Christmas was. You are wrong. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, that don't mean squat. His birth as a baby to lay and invoke Emotional feelings in Bethlehem couldn't save nobody. It's only the cross. And the only and the cross don't mean squat. No disrespect to the cross. But it can't save anybody if he didn't rise from the dead. Because that would mean what he did on the cross was not acceptable payment for our sin. But his resurrection was for our justification can you say man that means we can truly be made right with god and make heaven our home instead of hell and let me remind you as we get ready to close it's still a heaven or hell issue that's what the gospel's all about and that should be treated with the utmost seriousness and the utmost commitment. I, I love the Lord. I, there's room for me to grow. There's deeper depths for me to plumb. I need to be more devoted than I am. But I know it. And I'm not trying to be pragmatic with Him. I'll give you more of me if you'll give me more stuff. No. He's given me the most precious gift that can ever be given. His own son and Jesus has given his life on the cross. And God says, and this is a good thing. You're not your own. You belong to me. Lock, stock, and barrel. But I won't take any of you until you surrender all of you. And I won't take you in increments. There's no long-term payment plan. Offer your body, the whole of your being, the container of your spirit and your soul, once and for all unto me, which is your reasonable service. Literally rendered, it would be your true spiritual worship. Is not what you do when the choir is singing. It's what you do when you walk out that door with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And be renewed, because if you're not renewed in this attitude, in our mind, be no more conformed to the world. Because you can't serve two masters. Masters. Everybody say masters. Something's going to master you. It's going to be God. 
It's going to be the devil. It's going to be the light. It's going to be the darkness. But you're going to serve, as Bob Dylan sung when he had a little brush with Christianity. You've got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but there's no in-between. There's no gray in God. Say it with me. There's no gray in God. So is it any wonder that we have a grieved Holy Spirit? Because He wants to empower us to follow Jesus as a true disciple. I was in the gym for several months I'm just using me as an example, and I'm glad I passed this test. I have failed some. You have failed some. But I don't want to fail them all, and I want to keep failing. I want to win some for Jesus. If you see me in a bar Saturday night in Ebo City, I don't think you want to hear me preach on Sunday morning. Don't cut me no slack on that. But don't cut yourself any either. Don't cut yourself any. It's time we got hard on the flesh. How can you crucify it if you keep coddling it? It's your enemy. It's God's enemy to His will in your life. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And then you can ask for stuff. Because you're not going to ask amiss to consume it on yourself. Because if you meant that prayer, you know what it means you're denying yourself before you ask Him for anything. It doesn't mean He won't meet your needs physically, mentally, emotionally, but above all, spiritually. Because if you get all these things, all of the cars and all of the homes and all of the rings and all of the diamonds, and you don't have peace within and you have no joy and you have no fulfillment and satisfaction, you poe, you you toe up from the flow up. Can you say amen? But if you have the living water and you're eating and feasting on the bread of life, (laughs) Jesus said to the woman at the well, you drink this water, you're not going to have to go through all these compromises and sins. You're going to find what you've been looking for your whole life. Hallelujah. You're going to find it in me. I've spoken these things unto you that in me you might have peace. You're going to get it in this world. Amen. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. We want God to smooth everything out and make everything okay. It's going to happen, but not now. It's going to happen when Jesus comes. And they ain't going to like it. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. You can rebel all you want until I show up and sit on my throne once again on this planet, but you're not going to do it anymore. You're not going to spit on me. You're not going to put crowns of thorns on me. You're not going to crucify me, and I'm not going to let you. I died once for sin, and I'm not coming back. Amen. To make concessions. I'm not coming back to be pragmatic. I'm coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And every knee, make no mistake about it, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is what? He is what? 
He is Lord. The question that's put forward to us as Christians today is not, is he Lord? There's no debate. He is Lord of all. Here's the question confronting me and you and the Christian community. Is he your Lord? I don't mean in name. I mean, is he your master? Is he your king? So I call this Christian up expecting an apology. And I got it in the neck for asking for accountability. Don't just get on a platform to show off. This is to worship God. This is vertical. This isn't horizontal. This isn't a show. This isn't entertainment. I didn't dance for you today. I danced before the Lord. It was His joy overflowing. I'd like to do it again next Sunday. Hallelujah. But it's up to Him if whether the Spirit touches in a particular way, leads in a particular way. But I was ready to dance around when I heard my wife didn't have breast cancer. I was ready to dance around when I, when I heard that her bone density, that she wasn't, you know, falling apart on me. And she was glad because it'd be her that was falling apart. Lady that owns the gym called my wife over and said, Nobody but me knows that your husband is a minister. They just think that he's a good Christian man. Did you see that from the back? That's my goal. Before being anointed, before being a preacher, being a follower of Jesus Christ, a good Christian man, a good husband, a good Samaritan. Hallelujah. I know there's none good but the Father, but listen, men will see your good works and they'll do what? Glorify your Father. I want to be the real deal. I've seen the hypocrisy. I've seen through the facades. I want to be the real deal. So I called this musician. And when we went to the beach for Easter, we got to have family time. I mean, there was that attitude. And I thought, don't come. No, no. no. If you're held to accountability and you're in the wrong, I'm not pragmatic. You know me. You've been around me enough. Amen. I don't back down. I will not be bullied when I know I'm right. How do you know you're right? When I have the word to back me up. And I said, I got to have time. I have no excuse. I, I, I I, I wanted to do it and I did it and you live with it. I don't live with it. God won't live with it. You don't love him. You don't respect me. You turn a holy day into a holiday. You've got 364 other days. But you choose resurrection morning to leave a church in limbo. And you want to get back on that platform and play like you love God and respect your pastor. 
you do not, you can't, not on, not as long as I have some say, you can't do it. You're done. You're done. Where's your mercy? This is not a time for mercy. This is a time to account. Mercy means, I don't know what God's going to do about this. This is what I have to do about it. I don't have to take it. In the name of mercy, you don't allow people to keep walking into sin and rebellion in the name of mercy. You bid them Godspeed, you partake of their sin. That's not mercy, that's compromise. So this was the issue in Israel. Pharaoh says, I'll make concessions. And I want you to know every one of them and how it relates to our life. I'm willing to make concessions to get these plagues to stop. He's playing politics with God. God's not running for office. He does not need your vote. And he does not allow you to vote on what he has declared in his word. Now, you can go where you want to church. You can listen to who you want to listen to. And by the way, we got Burger King churches all over the United States. You know what they'll do for you? Amen. What was their big sell? If you don't like pickles, just say, hold them. We'll leave them pickles right off of that sucker. Amen. If you don't like onions, say, hold the pickles, hold the onions. If you don't like mustard, say, hold the mustard. If you don't like ketchup, hold the ketchup. If you don't like meat, hey, that's a bonus for us. We'll hold the meat. All we want is to let you have it your way. God don't play that. There is no goodwill, permissive will. God, I serve. Last time I looked, he was perfect in all his ways. He's not conciliatory to our flesh that will lead us and set us up for sin and defeat. He has no mercy on your weak flesh. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross, and that doesn't mean bearing up while they call you some name at work. No, that's still self, feeling sorry for self, because you don't get hugged by everybody. That's still self. Self is alive and well. They call me Holy Joe. (laughs) I don't get invited to their parties. Good. You know what's going to happen at their parties. Kick me out of their club. Good. You don't need to be in their club. You're in God's kingdom. It's better. Amen. Bearing your cross means that you crucify the flesh with the lust thereof. And if you don't deny yourself, you ain't crucifying nothing of self. 
It'll be alive in church. It'll be alive when you leave church. It'll be alive in the schoolroom, the classroom, out on the job, down at the dry cleaners. It'll be alive and well. You'll be as impatient as everybody else, mean-spirited as everybody else. And nobody will see that there's more than just a name that you're claiming. There's a Lord that you're serving. Amen? They'll see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, which is in heaven. I'm going to ask a very pointed question, poignant question as we close. Is there room in your life and mine for sanctification? Are we willing to let the Holy Spirit work? Can he put his finger on things and we'll say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Can he do that? He won't do it against our will. But the moment we offer ourselves a living sacrifice, he will sanctify us wholly, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. 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 The tempter will never quit coming. Our flesh will never stop being drawn. We have to step in and say. And the Bible said you have to reckon. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin and self. That means to count yourself as not your own. Bought with a price. It's so good to say, I don't belong to me. I belong to God. Hallelujah. I belong to God. Big old Josh. I want him to see a preacher that lives this thing. He saw compromising Christians. It didn't take him long to see it, did it? He said, I can't imagine Brother Venable reacting this way. I can't imagine. I don't want him. I don't want him to be let down. I want him to know there is a victorious life. And I want him to know it's the best life. It's a good life. I I didn't look like I was restricted a while ago, did I? I didn't look like serving God is such a box that I'm in. I can't have any fun. No, you don't know what fun is until you get free. Can you say, man, you think you know fun. That tension between your will and God's will will keep you from sleeping at night. But the joy of the Lord will strengthen you to live in a fallen world and a faulty body and give God praise and give Him glory and give Him honor. And whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Junior Mr. America saw me struggling when back when I used to work out and, and I was struggling, I was struggling, and he put his hands under my elbows and he said, Preacher Bob. He said, Pretend the devil's between those barbells. Bang! 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 He knew. He knew. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew. That man's not here 
to show how buff he can get. That man's here to do everything to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Including his body. <laughs> and, and I needed some help at that time. And some health at that time. Will you stand to your feet today? Did you get anything out of this teaching? I never did read the scripture. This is where we're headed. There's a lot in it. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel, and here's that possessiveness. Israel is my son. Even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go. That he may be free to do his thing. No, that he might be free to serve me. That's where true freedom is. God has already said to the devil, let my people go. He said to every demon of hell, you stay away from my people. And he's saying to his people, you stay away from him and you stay away from them. Give no, see, no, no concession. No concilia, concilia, conciliation. No, 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 no. Before my son died, he was an alcoholic and destroyed his body, but his spirit was saved. But not one drop of alcohol was ever through the door of my home. And I didn't have to confront him coming in with a 12-pack on Christmas or Thanksgiving because he knew my devotion to Christ and he respected it enough not to even think about bringing it in my house. But if I'm having a beer watching the ball game, I can't tell him to not drink any. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I'm being honest with you. That's hypocrisy, and nobody listens to a hypocrite. If you want to have influence and authority, you've got to live it. You've got to live it day in, and you've got to live it day out. And if you decide to live it, your light won't be under a bushel. Somebody's going to notice that you're different. And I don't mean we're different. But you're different because you're just not like the world and the culture. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So the cliche that's backed up with Scripture is, you can't pray your kingdom come until you first say, my kingdom go. And what happens once that occurs? Reverence, devotion, Give us this day our daily bread. Whatever need you may have, you can use your faith to receive what he has provided, purposed, and promised. But you bow before you believe. Amen? It starts with hallowed. It starts with thy kingdom come. Then you can mix faith with the word. The promise can be claimed. As the lack of reverence 
we've dumbed down the gospel. The preacher's wearing one size too tight pants. The lead singer is gussied up to draw attention to their self. Amen. Come on, be with me. Oh, brother, remember you're judging. No, God said let everything be done in modesty. You can't be modest with all that. That's why Dave Wilkerson got up. You respected his legacy. It came with rejection and being ostracized. It came with a price. But look what it's accomplished. All of those souls in Sin City, in Gotham, downtown, Times Square, drugs, prostitutes, murderers, thieves. And there they are in the choir now, transformed by the gospel of Christ, singing the high praises of God. And we sang with them this morning. He got up in the middle of a so-called Christian concert and he walked out and he was condemned for it. He should be commended. When a man is tempted by the woman because the way she's dressed singing a Christian song, something's wrong. This is holy. This is not entertainment. This is worship. It's not for the audience, it's for God. They used to call it sacred music, and now it's profit for the record companies, Christian and other ones. The concessions are being made. The compromises are being made. We've got people that are living in perversion, according to the Scripture, being made bishops and churches. Because the concessions are being made. The compromises are being made. A world church is going to form and the real church is being pressured to conform toward it. Oprah will accept it. The Democrats will accept it. The haters of all conservatism will accept it if we give in to the pressure that's on right now. Your flesh will play possum rather than give up and surrender. God wants the whole of you today. He wants you back. He wants to give you peace again. He wants you to have real joy again. Would you bow your heads for a holy moment? We've run over. I do not apologize. This is one of the most anointed and appointed messages I have ever delivered. And it's not just for us here today. It's for the church of Jesus Christ at large. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God says to the devil, let my people go. God says to his people, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. For what fellowship hath light and darkness, Christ and the devil? Be not unequally yoked, believer and unbeliever. Be distinguished as my children. And I will distinguish myself as your God. Hallelujah. How many got room to make some adjustments toward deeper devotion? Wave at me. 
I've got room in my life to make adjustments to a deeper devotion to Jesus Christ. And you know when that's going to show up? Not in the hands raised this morning, but this week. What in your life and mine is going to be different? What in our mindset, in our attitude, are we going to continue to be conformed to the world? Or is there a transformation coming? I'm going to tell you, if a transformation comes, there's going to be a reformation right behind it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Stretch your hand now toward me because I am diligently looking for where God wants to send us. But I'm so glad we're not standing still. I'm so glad we're not stagnant. I'm so glad there's enough reverence and respect that Elaine said, if I can do anything, I will do anything for this ministry. There's a lot of people don't give it credibility, don't respect it. I'm not whining. I'm just telling you there's other people that say, preacher, keep on holding the line. It may sting us sometimes, but we don't want to be part of the falling away. We don't want to be part of the hip. The, 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 the newest parade of ecclesiastical hypocrites. We want to be the real deal. We want to be the salt that has its savor. We want to be the light that shines and penetrates the darkness. We want victory for the glory of our soon coming King. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you saw these hands. Lord, help us this week. Help us this week. Every place that, that you want to change within us, we look to you. Lord, we're not trying to change ourselves. We're just changing our mind about ourselves so that you're free to work within us and, and, and tweak us, oh God. Hallelujah. Tweak us. Make us what you want us to be and let us enjoy the true freedom set free to serve you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen.